0: There, Jedge listeners. This is Sean Kananese, one of your hosts. I just recently uh, read a blog post and saw kind of an explosion of interest in the perspective of various women in magic. Um, and so I have a very special woman involved in magic in my life. Um, her name's Lindsay Brown. She's my wife. So I decided I'd uh, interview her and talk to her a little bit about uh, her perspective on uh, some of the same questions uh, that the Red Sight wins. Uh, guys were asking their significant others, um, and also hopefully relate this back a little bit more closely to judging. So in that vein, I'd like to ask my wife these same sorts of questions and get her perspective, um, not necessarily contrary to what the Red Sight Wins guys have to say, but adding another perspective to it, uh, which is uh, perhaps more positive, uh, perhaps just uh, just another perspective. So without further ado, let me introduce you to Lindsay Brown.
1: Hi. I'm Lindsay Brown. I'm Sean's wife. And while Sean's been playing uh, magic and judging for years and years and years, I'm a pretty new player. I've been playing magic for just inside of a year on a really seriously recreational basis.
0: <laughs> what was your very first interaction with magic? Not just limited to playing, but when were you first exposed to the game?
1: Well, I was in high school, and my boyfriend at the time, Stephen, played magic with his friends. And so sometimes after school, I'd hang out with him and his friends, and they'd kind of throw down on the concrete in front of the high school. So I think that was my first um, introduction to magic, and that would be maybe 1995 or 1996.
0: And what was that like? What was your impression of the game when you were first introduced to it?
1: I don't know. It just didn't seem like something that I'd really want to learn how to play. You know, it was kind of his thing, and I was pretty okay with that, and I think he was pretty okay with that too.
0: Okay. Uh, one other point of trivia to note here is that his younger brother, Vicente, uh, is now a level one judge uh, there in Merced. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so he actually, I just certified him uh, not too long ago, so he runs uh, the show over at the Arcane Lab. Uh, they're in Merced, so if you're ever in Merced, California, and find yourself going to F&M, head on over there. So how long have you been playing Magic?
1: I've been playing Magic for a little less than a year. I started um playing last fall, kind of prepping for going to Japan with you for uh, Magic Worlds 2010. I kind of wanted to just kind of know how to play the game and be able to play a recreational game with you um, just occasionally. You know, nothing serious. But just to, just to kind of get a sense, you know, I've been seeing people play magic for, it seems like more than a decade now, so maybe I'll just give it a try.
0: Okay. And, uh, who do you play magic with?
1: I play with you a lot of times, even though sometimes you frustrate me. (laughs) And I also play with, uh, your friends, Sean, who come over, and I play with my friend, Morgan. And, um, occasionally I'll play games with like random people. Like when I went to magic worlds in Japan in December, I played with some Japanese judges and that was really fun. I went to the learn how to play magic here booth and had really fun experiences with some boxed, um, baby magic decks and some guys who spoke very little English and, the game transcends language. I think that that's really impressive to me.
0: There's one thing I always tell people when they meet you, and that is that you've played Magic with some pretty awesome, amazing people in the game's history. Um, you want to spill those beans?
1: Sure, I've played Magic with uh, Sean Catanese, excellent. Oh, okay, 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 okay,
0: no, 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 no. I mean, there, there's someone even more celebrated than okay. me. Okay,
1: I've played with some really high-ranking judges in California, including my husband, Sean. And I'm I've not
0: played, a high-ranking so, judge. Okay,
1: okay, yeah. whatever. Do you want to start this over? <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, and I've played with uh, Richard Garfield and his son um, in Japan in December, and that was really fun uh, to play with both of them.
0: Uh, that was that's sort of the dream of many magic players i think is to play with the game's original creator.
1: Do you want to know my impressions?
0: Well, how did that happen and what are your impressions? Yeah.
1: Well, first of all, being a noob magic player, i screwed it up. Um <laughs> but everyone including Richard Garfield was very gracious about it. So, we were we were just drafting casual draft with some packs that somebody donated. And um i got my two packs and i opened both of them. Instead of opening one and, like, doing the first pass and then opening the second pass and doing the second pass, I screwed it up and I opened them both. So I had to start over with some new packs. But luckily for me, everyone is very gracious and it was kind of no love lost. We were able to move on.
0: Okay. All right. And how did uh, that turn out? Did you play against Richard or Skylar, or how did you do?
1: Well, I lost <laughs> first of all, but I had a I had a really good time doing it. It's kinda cool. It was like the winner would um take over the loser's cards and then rebuild their perfect deck from both player sets.
0: So it sounds like a combination of mini master and winner take all anti sort of
1: play. Right. And the ultimate result is that Richard won his own game, which is probably as it should be.
0: Sure. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Have you ever been to FM and what do you think about sort of the more casual tournaments at the store level?
1: I think FM is like a box of chocolates in that you never know what you're going to get. No, seriously. I've been to a few FMs and I could say that they attract kind of a wide range of players and some are really enjoyable for me to play against and others make me really nervous.
0: So t- tell me tell me what what makes an experience different from one that you would want to have happen again at an FNM versus one that is really uh, something that puts you off from the game. What are the differences between those two experiences? What are the players like in those different situations, that sort okay. of thing?
1: Okay, well, just from my perspective, I don't have a whole lot of pride in the game or how I play it, right? Like I'm playing it just to have fun and just recreationally. I just want to have a good time and have a nice like relaxed encounter. But other people um sometimes super competitive players, I think um, maybe lack social goodwill and some other <laughs> some other things that can make the game go a little smoother. So for instance, when the person I'm playing against moves my cards for me, like let's say I forget to tap my manner, or I forgot that my angel has vigilance or whatever. And then they take my card and they move it for me. That's really annoying. Just, just remind me because I'm new and I don't know everything. And there's a gentle way to tell someone that. And then there's kind of the jerk way of just doing it for them and getting kind of frustrated. And so I've encountered both players and on the positive side of M players, Um I've also played with some people who, when I told them I was really new and they figured it out, were really nice and, like, they'd throw down their card and they'll be like, oh, this is an angel and she has vigilance and flying and she's a 4-4 white creature or whatever. And, like, that's great because um a lot of people who've been playing Magic for, you know, five years or a decade or two decades or whatever, they don't realize what an encyclopedic knowledge you have to have to really play the game smoothly. And if you're new or just haven't been playing it for a decade or two, which has got to be a lot of players by now, Um, you know, helping out with what you're throwing down really makes a difference. So just a simple explanation of the card that you're putting down makes a big difference. Or another player would put his cards, but he'd um face them the other way on the table so that I'm sitting across from him and I can read them at any time. That helps me out a lot too.
0: And, and honestly, that's something that's not really so unique to a woman playing magic as it is just to a new player playing magic. Right. So as a woman, would you say, are there any nuances or differences that you've experienced uh, in that regard playing magic?
1: Yeah, don't be sexist. Don't make stupid sexist comments that are like obviously infuriating.
0: Uh, you know? <laughs> okay, well, I don't want to necessarily poke this bear, but I, I do want to talk about it a little bit. Uh, can you give me an example?
1: Well, I don't know. I just think... You know, if you have solid social skills, like, you're probably fine playing against new players, playing against woman players, playing against any player. And if you don't have those social skills and you play against, like, a newbie female like myself, then it's going to show up. And I kind of don't really want to play against that kind of player too much. So, I don't know. They they probably get just as frustrated with my inexperience as I get frustrated by their, I know it all, and what are you doing playing against me when you don't know what the hell you're doing you know
0: okay have how do you feel about magic players as a general group of people i mean it sounds like you've sort of differentiated between different groups here um you these there are the douchebags and there are the the guys who are really nice to play against uh, do you have any general feelings for the the group as a whole
1: magic judges or magic players
0: well okay well, let's talk about players first and then judges
1: from my own limited experience there's bigger variety in the magic player community than there is in the judge community. I think that judges tend to be nicer to me (laughs) when I'm playing them because I think they've um, been in the game longer and have a vested interest in making the game more inclusionary than other magic players who may just want to show that they know what they're doing and they could beat you.
0: Okay. We've talked about the negative and positive sort of experiences you've had. If you think about what magic has done for you, what is the one thing that stands out most out of all the things that magic has brought into your life? And then after you're done thinking about that, tell me about the thing that magic has um made harder in your life too, or made or what what's the biggest challenge that magic has brought into your life also?
1: Okay. Well, when I think about the positive things that Magic the Gathering does for me, um, I think about what a healthy outlet that is for creativity, for people in general, and for my husband Sean. I think that's really great. That's a um something that's relaxing for him when I see him sit down at night, you know, getting ready for bed just casually and flip through his boxes of cards and reorganizing or deciding to rebuild decks or rebuild the cube or something like that's that's like a meditative calming thing. You know, and he might not recognize it as such, but I, I see it like that. It's a worthwhile avenue, and I see a lot of um, creativity built into the game, like um, how you could use cards in combination and how they could help each other out or like um, negate each other, and also the art on the cards and the funky names like stuffy doll and all that kind of stuff. That's really interesting. I think um, I really like those aspects of the game.
0: And what about the negative side? What what ha, what do you wish Magic did better or didn't do so much or how could how could I make Magic a better part of your life?
1: Well, the things I don't like about Magic generally is I don't like how there's such a high barrier for entry in a lot of ways. Like you could be a casual player and spend 30 bucks and have a deck that you play, but if you um If you're in the game longer or just not recreationally and want to get better and go to actual tournaments and stuff, it's a pretty big investment. And that's an investment a lot of people don't have. So I think um, I'd feel better about the game if there weren't absolutely crucial cards that were worth hundreds of dollars. So like an example of this is last night, Um, Sean pulled out some candelabra fancy card that looks really old. You could tell by the art. And Morgan said... Lindsay, this card's like $300 or $200 or something. And I'm like, oh, my God, really? And I look at him and I say, I hope you didn't pay that much for it. He said, no, he didn't. And I'm just like, I don't know. You know, the point is that Sean has like a really great collection and everything. And he's really in it. And he's been in it for a long time. And he enjoys playing with these luxury cards but um, if you want to become a better player, you really have to have a big investment. And I don't think that that's true in, in other games. And I wish that Magic kind of leveled that playing field more.
0: Okay. Well, along those lines, leveling the playing field and bringing people into the game and accessibility. Um, you remember when we were in Japan and there was a guy there who was from an Australian clothing brand. And he was... Uh, He's sharing a a car ride with us from, I think, a hot springs to some other place anyway. uh, And he asked about, well, what's this magic thing that you're here for? What, what are you, what's, what's, what's all this now? Um, Kind of explained the game. And he asked about the demographics and he said, you know, wow. So you'd say upwards of 90% of the people playing the game are males. I mean, do you realize now that you could almost double the audience of the game, if you made it more interesting to women uh, to play and to be a part of the game from your perspective, uh, what could the magic playing community do to make it more desirable, not just for you, but for other women uh, to play more um, and to be uh, a part of, of more organized play or just just to be more interested in the game?
1: Okay, I think the number one thing that can make magic more inclusionary is basically make clean, well-lighted places to play magic. And that means places with more than one bathroom for 300 participants. And, you know, honestly, like, I've been to places where uh, game stores will, like, show you basically the dungeon where you you could play magic, and it's, like, hot, nasty, gross places filled with body odor. Nothing to do with the people. It's just... You know, there's not adequate facilities, and that's just really gross. Like, I want to spend a Friday night, least of all, hanging out with a bunch of other guys playing a fantasy card game when, like, the bathroom is so disgusting it wouldn't even vomit in it. Like, okay, so that's just... Anyway, I don't want to go on a tangent there, but you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Some places do a much better job of of hosting magic tournaments and even casual magic games and
0: others. Okay. So the venue matters. What about the social aspects or the players themselves? What can they do to make it easier?
1: I think just, um, having a diverse playing field, having people who, um, are more welcoming, like Friday night magic is a hosted event where stores host. Um, I think that the, magic judge or whoever the person is, um, holding FNM and other events can be, can like personally welcome people, um, reach out to people they don't know. Um, Hey, say welcome to Friday night magic. I hope you like it. Here's what we're going to be playing for. Um, have you been to any of these kinds of events before? Basically, um, FNM hosts can do a better job of, of actually hosting, and providing that welcoming environment and making sure that, um, you know, people get set up if they need to borrow a deck or if they have questions about rules or that kind of thing.
0: Well, and like we said before, I think I don't hear a whole lot that's too specific to women aside from maybe the bathrooms issue. Um, because guys can, you know, we'll piss anywhere, but what you're saying actually has applicability across the spectrum. You know, if I'm a parent bringing my 10 year old kid into a store for the first time, I, I want to have that welcoming environment for them also. Um, if I'm a brand new player, new to the area, don't have a whole lot of social connections and friends, I want that atmosphere. I want that person to welcome me in there and to know that I'm welcome there and that they, they're they happy to see me.
1: Yeah. And I think, um, I think Wizards of the Coast could maybe talk more to their event hosts about how they really are ambassadors for the game and what that means. You know, what does it mean to be an ambassador? What does it mean to be welcoming to experienced players who are there twice a week, every week, and just as welcoming to the newbie who's just checking it out to see if maybe that's something they're interested in or not?
0: Well, great. That's um, that's really some awesome awesome feedback. And um, you know, this is a pretty brief interview here, but wanted to you know spend some time with you and bring that all together. I guess um, are there any any parting words you had you would have for judges and players alike as we uh, as we finish this up?
1: I, I guess just to reiterate, you know, there are some things that wizards, like the organization, can do. There are some things judges can do to make the game more welcoming, and there are some things that venues can do. But there's something we all can do to make the game more welcoming to everybody and that's just be gracious be social don't be a dick essentially and let's just accommodate everybody at the same table because the more people who play the game the better the games are going to be
0: all right thanks lindsay bear love you